And once we were debt free, then we said, okay, great. We can live off of $50,000 as a couple. Let's take all of that extra money and put it towards helping others and investing. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast with Adam Adams and myself, Jay Lou. I'm so excited today's podcast because it is the essential creative real estate podcast and journey of Megan Lamke. So we want to welcome Megan uh, Lampke, and we'd love to hear kind of your, your start. What, what I, I'm so excited about is Burr. You lived with a bunch of guys. You renovated bathrooms and didn't have a functioning bathroom with three or four guys. You house hacked, owner oct. You're now a broker. You invest. You, you do passive, and you give back, and you have a big passion for that. So really excited. Love to have you kind of jump in and just tell us your story. We lived in a six-bedroom, two-bathroom house in Columbia Heights, Minnesota, and we convinced all of our rugby teammates to come live with us to help us essentially house hack before we knew it was a thing. Um, And so they each had their own bedroom, paid us a small monthly rent, and then we also convinced them to help us renovate the house at the same time. So we painted almost every room. We uh, renovated the bathrooms, updated the kitchen. Almost every surface on in the whole house was completely redone. Um, And then after we had used that rental strategy to pay off a significant amount of our personal debt, we decided to sell that home and um, move up into uh, passive real estate syndication. That's great. Did you guys have that plan going into it to house hack, kind of have the roommates? Were you looking for a six bedroom and that was a strategy or did you happen to find a house and are like, oh, wow, we don't need six bedrooms? Yeah, great question. So I'm one of those creative weirdos that read Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was in high school. So I had the idea of renting out bedrooms to people. But when we found a house at a really great price in an upper coming neighborhood, that's when we said, hey, all of our teammates are paying astronomical amounts for rent right now in one bedroom apartment. And they can't have as much fun when we go on rugby tours because all their money's going towards rent. So let's figure out a way that we can create a win-win-win situation for everybody. Yeah. We hear a lot of times it's a lifestyle hack as much as a real estate hack because it allows you to pay off debt, allows you to buy that car, allows you to get the ski pass or the new skis that you wouldn't have otherwise if you were paying full rent. So, Can I go back to the part where you said you were in rugby? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay. All right. So first question that I have is like, so you and your husband both played rugby. That's how you met. Were, were you on the same team or is, is there like an all-women's team and all-men's team? And what, what, what did yeah. that look like? So I played for the Minnesota Valkyries, which has now become the Metropolis Valkyries. And it's the sister team to the team that my husband played for, the Metropolis Rugby Club. Um, and so we met. I moved back to Minnesota uh, from living in Iowa. And we met at uh, Social and we had been dating ever since. And so these teammates that you had in your six-bedroom house, were they really close? I mean, were they good friends of yours? 
Oh yeah, they were some of our best friends. I mean, they've been in our wedding. They were my brothers. It, it really is a tight-knit community in the rugby space. And so knowing that we'd have to spend every waking hour with these people going to work and practice and living with them, we wanted to be really selective of okay. who we chose. What year was it? Uh, that We met in 2010 and we bought the house in 2011 in February. And so were you, were you married when you did this house hack or were you single when you did it? We were single and then we got engaged and got married throughout the whole process. So I know that's kind of taboo. <laughs> it's creative. It's, not taboo. it's creative. It's creative. It's creative. So, so in case of any, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for those rugby players out there, because so I was, I grew up in Utah. I don't know how many how many of the listeners know that I grew up in Utah, and there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, Mormon influence in Utah. And I, I ended up becoming Mormon and even going on a uh, two year mission to Los Angeles of all places. But two of my companions, they call them companions. Two of my more uh, missionary partners um, were uh, Polynesian. Well. And from New Zealand, one of them played number eight in the All Blacks. And as I understand it, that's like the center. Uh, it's like you're not a forward and you're not a back. Is that kind of what number eight is? Yeah, number eight is the person that sits at the back of the scrum. And so their job is to get really, really creative and make plays. And they work really well with my position, which was a scrum half, number nine, who's kind of like the quarterback of the team. Okay, so number nine, you're the cool guy, the cool I, girl. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't know, I don't know about that. I think my teammates would say I was really bossy. Really bossy. I was always telling the forwards where to go or the backs to get back ten. And oh yeah, I were, I was yeah. playing. I was playing against these guys, and they kept saying back ten. And I think I told you this before, but I thought they meant ten feet. And yeah. so I was like, I swear I'm back 10. <laughs> I swear I'm back 10. And they're like 10 yards, man. Uh, yeah. My brother was a bossy person too. He played okay. sweeper as in soccer. Um, okay. And I guess sweeper is kind of like the defense person that tells every defense exactly what to do and where to be. And uh, it was fun watching the games because he would scream at his teammates. It oh, would yeah. definitely scream at his teammates. So was, was that you? Oh, yeah. I think every teammate I've ever played with have said that, Megan, you're bossy and you're a screamer. And you tell people where to go and what play we're supposed to be running. And, but it's essential. Like, you have to communicate or people are going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or somebody could get hurt. So How, how is that with house hacking? I, I would anticipate that being an attribute if you were to say, what, what do you need to be able to live with four or five, six other people in house hack? What type of personality? I'm, I'm guessing being, <laughs> being that quarterback, someone needs to be, or it's so maybe some tips to how that transitioned to you having a successful house hack. Yeah. Great question. So I think you to have a successful house hack. You just need to set expectations from the very beginning of this is how it's going to be. Here's what I need you to do. And this is, um, what how this would function this is how in our situation people were our roommates we didn't have a separate unit so we had to do a lot of roommate discussions about um when rent is due and when like what food is communal food and what food is your food <laughs> <laughs> don't eat megan's food just because you're like six guys who love to eat you know yeah. so yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing 
it, um, any, any specific like tips that like you actually implemented? I know when, in our house hack, we had the little circle, a uh, little uh, round dots that you put on like a garage sale to mark how much they are. We did that and you put your initials. And if it didn't have that, then it was community, like a bag of chips. Anyone could have it. But if it was like your peanut butter, if you know, whatever, it's like, you yeah, put everybody had a shelf in the okay. kitchen. So, and the area in the refrigerator. So nice. it was yours. And then we had a beer fridge in the basement. So a beer fridge in the basement was communal. Nice. Nice. It, it, any tips on someone, you know, s- starting to consider doing that some do's or don'ts in the, in the house hack? Yeah, I would highly recommend, even though you're, they're your friends, or in my case, some of them were my brothers, still have a rental agreement with them, just that outlines those expectations of, I'm still your friend, I'm still your relative, but I, I want to make this really clear that we're still having this business relationship. Um, it just makes a lot, makes things go a lot smoother. Um, and then make sure that you're, you're talking about expectations of worst case scenario. So if you can't pay rent, or If, um, you know, something happens where you lose your job, what happens then? Um, That type of situation that it didn't happen with us, but we're really thankful that we set those expectations with the people that chose to live with us. I need to say that that's just brilliant because I had, after managing apartments in 2007 and doing a really good job right before 2008, obviously made my owner a million bucks on one of his properties, but I, I bought my own apartment and I did the exact opposite what you just said. So I really feel like it's important to bring this out to the listener so we don't gloss over it at all. Um, when I was managing for somebody else, it was very obvious that I was going to be a stickler on things. They had to sign the thing because the owner told me they had to sign the thing. But when I became my own owner, I kind of, I got this big heart and I was like, oh yeah, you're my friend. Come live, just pay me rent. But I didn't do what you said. I didn't, I didn't lay out the expectation of this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Just because you're my brother, just because you're my friend doesn't mean I'm not going to go you know, crazy if this doesn't happen. This is what it looks like. If you lose your job, this is what it looks like. That could have really saved you if you were owning apartments in 2008, like I was when the market really tanked and my friends and my employees who were, and my, who were all my tenants at the time, each and every one of them, except for one or two, couldn't pay anymore because the market, they, they were losing their jobs in 08, 09 and 2010. And I had a really rough time and I'll just share for the listener that rocked my world. And so make sure you listen to what Megan said about spelling these out. Megan, do you have any other tips of where you found this information? Uh, what information specifically needs to be in these contracts and how yeah. you can maintain uh, good friendships while being a hard A at the same time. So I went to a couple of different websites. So Bigger Pockets is a great resource. There's also local um, RIAs that you can go to that will have sample forms. But I found the best ones on um, the Multifamily Housing Association, just a sample lease agreement to make sure that I wasn't forgetting anything um, and really making sure that I was protecting myself. But protecting the relationship too, because I still want everything to be on the up and up. And I found that when you really care about someone, you set the expectation 
And so that's just, mm. it's a way to show somebody that you care for them, you respect them, you love them by setting the expectation of this is what happens if the unthinkable happens. Nice. And then you bird, you house hacked, then you sold. Did you do the two-year owner-occupant uh, tax benefit play where you're able to, to take the equity tax-free? Yep. So we um, bought the house in 2011 and then sold in 2019. So okay. yeah, we collected rent for eight years. We lived in it for more than two years and we're able to take the revenue tax free. And then we took awesome. that revenue and put it into multifamily apartment syndications as a passive investor. Uh, and then uh, use a couple of resources to purchase our own 18 unit building also in 2019. A couple of resources. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we, in our rugby community, there's a lot of great people um, who have left the rugby community and become really successful. And so some of the people that I have relationships with chose to be uh, passive investors and they're also accredited investors. So they helped us purchase an 18 unit apartment building in an opportunity zone. Um, in Duluth. And so that was beneficial for everyone. (laughs) So, so you've done the burr, you've done the house hack, you've done what Mr. AAA over here loves is a passive investing. Yeah. Then you bought your own. And then if I'm correct here, you're now even further into the creative real estate, one more step, and you're even now licensed and helping other people do that. Yep. So I'm a licensed real estate agent and studying for my broker's exam. Um, but I help people buy and sell residential and commercial properties um, and teach them how to go through house hacking, burr, um, how to pay off all of their debt so that they can live on a minimal income if they want and choose to put all of their additional income into passive investing in real estate syndication. Awesome. Uh, paying off all of the debt. I know that there's some people that say real estate is there to leverage. That's the whole key to it. Yep. The IRR. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds like you're a big fan more of, of the lifestyle that it creates if you pay it off. Yeah. And, and so, how do you do that? What's your recommendations? Your student loans sound like you got paid off and a lot of your house stuff got paid off. Yeah. So again, there's different schools of thought. I highly encourage everyone to research and come up with a plan that worked for them. In 2014, my husband and I went through this class called Financial Peace University taught by Dave Ramsey and uh, Rachel Cruz and Chris Hogan. And it teaches you how to come up with a budget, come up with a plan and pay off your debt. So I had over $188,000 worth of student loan debt. We obviously had our mortgage, Um, credit cards, the home equity line of credit to do some renovations. And uh, we were able to systematically pay all of that off and then save a cushion of three to six months worth of living expenses. And once we were debt free, then we said, okay, great. We can live off of $50,000 as a couple. Let's take all of that extra money and put it towards helping others and investing. So that's what we do. Awesome. So you paid it all off and now you're able to give back. Like during this economic kind of time here in 2020, where we don't know what the future is going to hold, 
how does that make you feel to, to be in that position versus a position where you were in 2010 um, with student debt and yeah. all of the things that you had going on at that time? How, the benefit that the last, say, 10 years has got you to today and how that might motivate yeah. others to get there themselves. There's just so much peace and so much hope that I have. I just want, like, it's contagious. I want everyone that I oh, meet to sure. be able to have this kind of peace and this kind of hope. Um, so one of the things you asked, how do we give back? Today, we actually announced that um, every single one of our tenants and every single one of our real estate clients, we're giving them the gift of Financial Peace University for free. Because um, that's the thing that really helped us during uh, uncertain time, how to get out of debt, how to have that stability so that one day we could be in the position where we're at today, full of peace, full of hope, investing quite a bit, um, and really creating that lifestyle. I have a question on how to pay off all your debt. So this is something yeah. that you learned when you went to this program, and this is something that you're giving away to friends or to people that might be your clients. You're helping them go for free because of what it did for you. I want to just understand, is there a secret sauce to paying off debt fast that you could share with the listener who has debt and they're inspired by what you've done? Is yeah. there like a system that you can share with them real fast where they could learn it without even going to this piece? Yeah, class? of course. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Literally it's um, get a thousand dollar emergency fund so that you're not having to put money on a credit card. You're able to kind of handle if um, something were to come up unexpected. Then list all of your debts order from smallest to largest uh, and pay them off systematically. Then um, save three to six months worth of your expenses like utilities, transportation, mortgage. Um, the other steps are how to invest for your future, save for your kids' college fund, pay off your personal residence early, and then live and give like nobody else. How do you pay off your personal residence early exactly? Yeah, so it's we just hustled. So <laughs> it's I was you got creative. Yeah, we got creative. So I was a corporate marketing executive. We had tenants that were house hacking. We bird. We I was working four jobs at one time, so getting like six hours of sleep. Um, so in addition to being a marketing executive and a landlord, I was waitressing and tutoring and um, teaching classes online and coaching rugby and all of these little things because the more money that I made, the more we could use to pay off debt faster and we could be free so that any money that we made from real estate would have much larger exponential impact um, because we wouldn't have to mail all of that money that we got away to pay bills. Does that make sense? So this is, this is this excites me more than literally any other conversation I could have in real estate. I've I've connected with millionaires and billionaires and talk about real estate, and there isn't anything more that excites me than this conversation because anyone can do it. Literally, yeah. anyone can go out and work an extra hour. They can go get an extra job. They can get creative. They can house hack. They can burr. They can ask neighbors if they if they want to have their yards mowed and they take that money and, and put mm -hmm. it down. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many easy ways um, 
you know, the Craigslist, getting on Craigslist and just arbitraging certain items that yeah. people do. There's so Binge many ways. Binge watch that- Marie Kondo and Marie Kondo, your yes. house and sell all of it on Craigslist. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, anyone can do this and they can yeah. get to the point where like, if you're listening to it on podcast versus, you know, video, if you would see Megan's like genuine smile, there is, that's like a 1% of what you're seeing in video in the last, you know, week with what's going on is a genuine, like honest, like happiness and like ability to, to be creative and give back. Like that's a, so more powerful than the billionaires and millionaires that I'm connecting my clients even because it's all about the next deal. It's all about the next mm-hmm. million. It's all about the bigger boat, the bigger house. And like, mm-hmm. you haven't talked about any of that. That doesn't make what you've talked about happiness you haven't said a bigger house, a bigger car, a fancier watch, a fancier phone, none of that. Like the genuine smile that I'm seeing in your face is giving back and having freedom to live the lifestyle. I think maybe you give your quote again, something about your be able to give back more. Yeah. So um, live like no one else so that one day you can live and give like no one else. And it's not my quote. It's Dave Ramsey, but, but that's literally what we've done. And then we, my husband and I have gotten to this stage where we're debt free. We're able to live off of our investments. Um, and we choose everything to give away half of our income to several nonprofits, um, because we've paid everything off and can live beneath our means. So that's the part that fires us up in the morning is, okay, how can we make an impact for um, feed my starving children or for venture, which is a nonprofit that helps stop human trafficking. Um, so how can we make a huge impact for people who, who don't have the means to help them out? Awesome. I, I've one question myself and I'll, I'll let Adam uh, yeah. jump in here to, to kind of wrap things up here in a little bit is I, I'm a real estate agent, own a brokerage company, managing broker and with, with brokers underneath us. We develop, we invest, we do all that. But a lot of people, a lot of my friends say that having a license to be a developer investor um, is kind of conflict of interest and such. So won't get into that full big topic, but what are some pros and cons of someone out there that has done the first burr or this or that and considering maybe getting their real estate license, um, especially in this maybe economic time of like is pros and cons to that? Yeah, so pros there being an entrepreneur there's always tax advantages so i'm not a cpa go talk to your financial advisor or your tba um but you it's a side hustle if in this unknown economic time so the more work you put in generally the more work you put out or the more income you can make um and i like that flexibility it allows you to again create additional income um yeah uh, some of the cons there are um, monthly service fees or quarterly fees based on where you hold your license um, and then any dues that you have to pay or the upfront money to pay for your credentials and your licensing can be a barrier for some people. Um, so I would recommend looking for brokers that can either help offset that cost um, or help with revenue sharing. Um, what about CE credits? Are those something you have to pay for the continuing education? Does your brokerage pay for it? Is it, is it go either way? And how much do you need in, uh, in a year? And what happens if you don't get them? Yeah. 
So continuing education credits, um, it varies from state to state. If you don't get them, you lose your license and then you have to reapply all over again. Um, I'm with a broker right now that offers continuing education, some credits for free, and then other credits um, I choose to participate online in this day and age. There's, if you just Google continuing education um, online, there's a whole bunch of resources for real estate. Um, and so in Minnesota, you need um, now I'm 15 to, no, you need 30 to keep your license. And um, the, there's a certain percentage every single year that you have to take that are mandatory. So yes, there is some cost to that. Some brokers choose to offer that for free to their agents, but it's just a matter of asking the right questions to figure out if that can be negotiated. Oh, thanks for getting into it. Yeah, we're gonna, we are going to take a quick break uh, for our sponsor, and then we'll get back. And I'm excited, Megan, because when we do get back, we're diving into your most creative deal. And then my okay. favorite question about five years ago, five years from now. So we'll, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Adam Adams, and I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus, you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses? A way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle, and best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full-time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the fix and list strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the fix and list strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate uh, Podcast we have Megan Lamke, and we're going to start off after this break with the most creative deal that Megan has done. Megan, take it away. Yeah, great. So I thought the most creative deal that I've done is this house hack and the bird that we've been talking about. So yeah. um, we purchased our house in 2011 for $139,000. Again, six bedroom, two bathroom in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. Um, we did all of the work ourselves. So we literally just ordered parts or paints or um, appliances online at, to get the best deal. And so all in all spent about $5,500 because again, we had our tenants or roommates and us do all of the work. Um, we rented it out for $400 per room, again, to a couple of different rugby teammates. Uh, and in 2019, we turned around and sold the house for $274,000, um, paid some real estate commission and negotiated to have the buyer pay the closing costs. So overall, the return on investment was about 47%. And along the way, we were able to make $153,000 in um, rental income over eight years. That's awesome. Book you recommend? A uh, book I recommend is The Everyday Millionaire by Chris Hogan. So it talks a lot about um, 
living a simple lifestyle and investing wisely and you can be a millionaire at any age. Awesome. Five years ago, where were you in the past? Where do you see yourself and in the kind of the real estate market in five years? Yeah. So five years ago, I was a marketing executive for a fast growing technology company. I was drowning in student loan debt. Um, and I was right in the middle of renovating our primary residence and having roommates. Um, five years from today, my goal is to double our real estate portfolio, but more importantly, that will allow us to build four border patrol stations on the border of Thailand to help stop human trafficking. Um, where I think the real estate market is going to go in the next five years, I think that it completely depends. I think every 10 years or so, there's a natural ebb and flow to the real estate market. Um, but I think right now in the next two to three years would be a really great time to invest in real estate and um, create those additional assets because I think there'll be more of a market correction. Awesome. Uh, you've already talked about it, but maybe some more, if there's anything else, is, is a give back factor, which seems to be very uh, prevalent in your life right now. Yeah. So what I do as a realtor is I invite the people that are my clients into giving back. So we have this slogan of homes for homes. Every time someone buys or sells or invests in a property, we provide homes to young girls who were trafficked in Thailand. Um, so 50% of any real estate transaction, syndication, or residential goes to venture.org or Feed My Starving Children. Um, and then a couple other ways that I give back, I lead a real estate invest her meetup group in Minneapolis, teaching women how to get started in real estate investing. I teach Financial Peace University to our tenants and to anyone who will listen because it changed my life. And then I volunteer at our church. That's awesome. And what's one way people can reach out if they have a question about living with a bunch of rugby players and how you're able to get through it? Uh, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Megan Lanky. You can find me on Facebook. Again, my name, Megan Lanky Real Estate, uh, or go to our website, MeganLanky.com. Great. Real, real quick, spelling on Megan Lampke. So when they're uh, searching for that, make sure they find the yeah. right one. M-E-G-A-N-L-A-M-K-E. Great. And look for the big smile on the profile, <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> yep. For sure. Right. And also the listener, you could just scroll down. So that information is in the show notes, the website to the human trafficking stopping uh, company that she has started, the nonprofit, that is in the show notes. Her profile is in the show notes, so you'll be able to connect with her very easily. Megan, that was so fun. That was such a cool interview. Cool. I didn't know that it was going to go this way, and I was that was really intriguing, interesting, and I know that the listener got a lot of value out of it. Thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate your time. We're going to let thank you go, you so but until thank you. Until next time, think outside okay. the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. 
Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and this is it. Visit FixAndListSecrets.com. See you on the next episode.